0: The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of The Hope of Azure Springs by Rachel Fordham. On today's episode, I'm joined by Rachel, who is preparing for the debut of her first novel. I am happy to be here. I'm really excited. For you, being this your first book, and you said before we started chatting that this is, um, it took you three years to write this, but let's go back a little bit farther than that. How did you first start discovering that you liked to, that you were a writer?
1: Well, I didn't know that I was a writer, but I was always a reader when I was young, mm-hmm. and then um, I had kids, and my kids liked it when I would tell them stories, and so I started telling them stories all the time, uh, but I still didn't think of myself as a writer, because I thought that was something that someone else did, you know, someone less ordinary than me, <laughs> um, and so I just kept reading, and I'd tell them stories, and then our lives got really busy with kids in sports, and just I just it was just busy, and... Um, my hus- I needed, like, a creative outlet, and my husband said, well, you read so much, why don't you write a book? And it was like, yeah, I could try that. Mm-hmm. And so that was three and a half years ago, and I had no goals of publishing. It was simply I needed to create something, and so um, I wrote one book, and then... Um, And it was went better than I had thought it would but I still knew I had a lot to learn and so the hope of azure springs is the second Manuscript that I wrote. Um, I started writing the hope of azure springs the summer of 2015 and it was going So well, Mm -hmm. it's like the characters were just telling me the story and it was so exciting Like every writer's dream to have it just coming out of them Um, And then my son got really sick Mm -hmm. He was four at the time and it was just It was just really bad and so I did not open the Hope of Azure Springs for five months. I just closed my computer, and I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went back to it um, finally when things settled down a little, and I had kind of changed as a person. And so going back to my story that has a lot to do with tri- you know, finding triumph after tragedy, it was kind of... You know, it's Em's story, but in some ways it was mine, too.
0: Of course. And that's, I mean, that's so nice to have that creative place to be able to put that energy and that angst into some other character and give them a happy ending. Exactly, yeah. That was was a good experience. Yeah. Well, and then with this one, you've got um, an orphan train, which is uh, something I actually had never really known anything about until I've been talking to more authors that have been writing a whole bunch. It's very on brand right now to have orphan train books. It is, yeah.
1: Um,
0: what did you know about the orphan train before you started writing?
1: Um, I did not know very much. I had never re- read an orphan train story. My mom, I think, had, and she mentioned to me that she'd read a story with the orphan trains, and so I, like, You know, the little history lover in me decided to go and Google it and read all about it. And it was like, oh, of course I have to write about this. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always been, I've always had a soft spot for kids and orphans. I'm actually a foster parent, too. And so it just seemed like the right thing to do to combine a love for history with a love for kids. And da da Orphan Train Story. That's so
0: cool. And with... I actually
1: have still never read...
0: You still never read any?
1: Well, I've read, like, nonfiction things. I haven't read anyone else's fiction on it.
0: Oh, how funny! <laughs> are there any ty- are there any ones that have like kind of jumped out at you, or are you just like, eh, I don't really. Well, there's read. a lot
1: that I actually do, but once I started writing this on it almost felt like I kind of now I could because I'm removed from it enough. But I didn't want anyone else's story to influence mine while I was
0: writing it. I've seen like a mixture of authors who are able to read in their genre while they're writing and for you being a debut novelist have you have you seen that as you're kind of working on your next manuscripts are you able to read within your genre or do you like to read exclusively outside of it when you're writing
1: so I'm kind of weird because when I write my first draft I usually if I can find a block of time like two or three weeks I just like dive in and just write like mm-hmm. crazy a rough draft and I don't usually read it all really during that time once I'm editing, I can read at the same time gotcha. when I'm just making, you know, little, sometimes big changes.
0: Were you, um, for your ability to kind of, like, get that first draft done in two to three weeks, were you a journalist beforehand, or was that just sort of you just learned to just kind of brain dump and, and get it out that way?
1: Um, I think I just have one of those personalities where if I'm going to start something, I just like to finish it. Like, it just kind of bothers me to have things looming unfinished, mm-hmm. and so – um, I really have very little writing experience. Um, I really think I went to the school of reading. I just read a lot, and um, you know, the story was in there, and I just would have to get it out. It's been a little trickier lately to find big chunks of time, but
0: yeah. yeah. And it's harder as you make it more and more into you know almost a career of having right, to now, now come and, up with these now stories. Now there's editing and yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: marketing all going on at the same time. We're up until this point when I wanted to write a rough draft. That was all I would think about for a couple weeks.
0: So what is it about historical fiction that was that was so intriguing to you?
1: Um I think that like my whole life I always joked that I was born in the wrong era. Um, sometimes I feel like I can relate to their trials and triumphs even better than sometimes modern problems and mm-hmm. so um and maybe that's because I can fictionalize them and so I can you know what type of characters I want but I've just always enjoyed old things historical things um escaping to different times like I get to go be there for a little while and and you know, I'm already here, so I might as well go somewhere else. Exactly,
0: for sure. Well, let's talk about M and Caleb's story. She is 19 at the beginning of this and mm-hmm. looking for her long-lost sister, which I think is such a tragic storyline, but also something that I think a lot of readers can definitely, if they don't relate to, can definitely identify. Well,
1: you know, I wanted to, to create a character. So like I said, I had no plans of publishing when I started this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I honestly had my daughter in mind, and I was thinking – I want to create a character that, you know, doesn't preach at her, but she can learn things through. And so I just loved creating a character who is not your traditional heroine. She's not, she's not beautiful. Um, She has some insecurities and she's had a lot of hardship in her life. And who, through the course of the story, we realize is actually extremely beautiful, just in a different definition. You know, you just have Mm -hmm. to define it a little differently. And who is extremely strong and resilient and all the things I would love for my daughter to grow up and be. Um, And so Em, you know, at the beginning has just left her, um, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, a crime has essentially um, freed her from where she's been living for seven years. And, you know, at one point in the story, she even says, you know, that the scar from her gunshot wound will always remind her of her freedom. And And it's kind of, what will she do with it? And she wants to go find her sister, and she wants to go back in the time, almost, and fix things. And it's kind of her story of learning how to find her future and make something of it, even when it doesn't look exactly how she wants it to.
0: For sure. And then she runs into um, the sheriff, Caleb. Yes. Yeah. She
1: runs into Caleb, and Caleb is very much um, a good guy. But he's caught up in trying to please his parents. His brothers were lost in the war. And he doesn't feel like he's enough. He feels like he has to live the lives that all of his brothers would have lived. He has to fix things, and so M is M is something that he has to fix. When he starts, when he meets her, he has to set the crime right. But he doesn't necessarily see her as more than that. And I think his journey is one of the ones I think is the most powerful because he um, he does change his definition of what beautiful is and what things matter most and kind of realizes that he gets to define his own joy as well.
0: The story of redemption and, and just trying mm-hmm. again and fixing the the mistakes of your past. But I bet there's also a lot of reflection in there that sometimes you can't fix the mistakes of your past.
1: Yeah, sometimes you can't change it. Just like me when my son was sick, like, he's doing well right now, but he still has the disease that he was diagnosed with. And mm-hmm. I had to essentially redefine what normal was for me and what, my, what it was going to look like and change what the future I had laid out for him was going to look like and make peace with that. And there's a lot of that in this story as well.
0: With, uh, with the book coming out, are you looking forward? Have you been getting any notes from potential, from new readers or anything that might be kind of encouraging you that you're on the right path?
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's only, you know, kind of gone to limited early reviewers so far, but the reviews have been really positive, but the probably, like I think of two notes that jump out to me so far. Um, one was from a man and he emailed me and said that his wife had gotten it as an early reader copy and he decided to read it too because they live in Iowa where the story takes place and he was just really complimentary of it and it was just fun to see that someone outside of its, you know, kind of, you know, normal readership enjoyed mm-hmm. it. So that was really touching and then um, I had a woman email me and say that her husband when she'd first gotten married had made a comment about how he hadn't that he hadn't seen her as beautiful when he'd first met her and he hadn't been trying to be rude but she had taken it wrong and then that had just kind of festered inside of her for a really long time and she said that when she read my book she understood what he was really trying to say Mm. and that it just like took that whole weight that she'd been carrying off and she's like i feel like it's just changed so much and so that was i'm like well if that's the only reason i wrote the book then that was worth it
0: So. Mm. That's always such a great feeling, too, of knowing that you've been able to touch readers. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That was really fun. Because as we But know- there's been
1: a lot of really great little notes, and it's been fun to see that some people have gotten what I was trying to put in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've, I'm, I'm. It's one of those things, like a double-edged sword and bittersweet of, like, do you look at the reviews? Do you look at the comments? But then yeah. at the same time, it's like there's always some good nuggets in there that can help, that just tell you that you're doing something that's bringing people yeah. a lot of joy. It, it's been a lot of fun so far. So what are you working on uh, next? I know it's a scary question, but it's what you're going to be asked all the time. (laughs) No, it's good. I have a 2019 and a
1: 2020 release scheduled with Ravel right now. And my 2019 release is a standalone, but it passes through Azure Springs as well. So we get to see a few of our favorite characters. They are not in the prominent roles, but we get to see them enough to see how they're doing. And so that was really fun because... I actually wrote it several a couple of years later, mm-hmm. so it's fun for me to revisit them as well. Um, and it's fun because it starts out at the dead letter office in Washington, D.C., where if they can't find a home for a letter, normal mailman weren't allowed to open the mail, so they would send it to the dead letter office, and they could open the mail and try to figure out how to redirect it or if there was nothing that could be done with it. And so my our main character opens a letter that she just can't let die, and she has to... Um, she has to figure out where it belongs
0: and that was really fun yeah that's awesome and how for you how is it putting the romantic elements into the books is that an important part because I know relationships and characters it's its such a great way to get to know the characters and see something that again is so relatable but I'm always curious when, um, when you first start it's like why did you choose romance over just doing like a straight historical fiction
1: um So for, so for this book, or for all of my books, I guess, I I didn't necessarily, like I told you, I wasn't planning on publishing, I didn't know, I didn't know what the books were exactly going to be, I didn't know what genre they were going to fit in, Mm -hmm. and they all just ended up with a romantic element, and honestly, the easiest part for me to write is the characters and the relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. setting and some of those other things I have to think harder about, but just people and how they feel and how they play off of each other and watching them come together like that part just I don't know I guess because in life that's the things that matter the most and so I don't know it's it's my favorite part of it to write and they're definitely not the steamy romances or anything but they just have especially the hope of azure springs it's just this you know slow build up to you know that happy ending.
0: Yeah. And I guess maybe because I love happy endings. So mm-hmm. i, I would was, put that in there. I love the happy love ending it. and a nice
1: um Although this book I've heard makes most people cry too. So. <laughs> Which well, I think is awesome if you can have a book that makes you laugh and
0: cry and absolutely. sigh. So. Yes, exactly. You've got like the triple threat right there. Yes, I feel proud of that. <laughs> It's fun. Well, so
1: and I, I cried writing it, too.
0: So. Did you? I was going to I bet you did. I mean, you have to get those emotions out, and it, sometimes the only place they come is from your face.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, like it's, and my son actually read my book, and he said, it's, Mom, you're the writer. Why is part of it sad? And I was like, it's what had to happen. You know?
0: <laughs> sometimes your characters take you on their own journeys.
1: Yes, absolutely, which is really fun to have happen.
0: Mm-hmm. At the Fresh Fiction Podcast, we love to know what our authors are reading, watching, and listening to because we are a recommendations podcast. So Uh, I am curious what you – I know you're very busy, and it's summer, and trying to fill time, but what are you – what sort of pop culture are you currently consuming?
1: All right. So um, the last book that I read was actually a reread, which I don't have very many books that I reread. But I reread These Is My Words. It came out a few years ago. And everyone's while, I like to pick up an old favorite and ask myself, why did I love this so much? And mm-hmm. it's almost like, it's like taking a course on writing and, you know, why did I love this? And so I reread that and it's fantastic. So everyone should read that. It's by Nancy Turner. Um, and then the last thing I watched was the miniseries called Victoria, which mm-hmm. is not an era I write in, but it has really great um, character development. So that's, it was really fun to watch. And listening... Oh my gosh, my kids pick what we listen to most of the time now. Um, <laughs> but everyone in my family really likes Matt Kearney, so I don't know if if you guys are familiar with him, but they're a big fans, so it's playing in the background a lot. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, he's got a long list of albums, I think, right? At least
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Five, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Lots of music to get through. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rachel, this was so much fun. And I'm curious, before I let you go, how can readers uh, stay in touch with you and find out more about you?
1: Um, I have an, an active Facebook page, um, just, you know, Rachel Fordham author page. And I have a website, rachelfordham.com. And then pretty much anywhere that you're looking to buy books or learn about books, Amazon, all the Christian bookstores. Barnes and Noble, any of those places should have, you know, at least a bio. But I love to hear from readers, so, you know, reach out. I'll say hi back.
0: Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for giving us your time. Like she said, you can go to her websites to find out more about uh, the Hope of Azure Springs. You can also go to freshfiction.com com, and the book is available anywhere books are sold, including Amazon, Kobo, and Barnes and Noble. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon, and I hope you have a wonderful book birthday tomorrow. Oh, and thank you so much. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Rachel Fordham for joining me today. You can find The Hope of Azure Springs anywhere books are sold. Thank you also to Ravel and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by FreshFiction.com to find out more about Rachel and other Ravel books and Bethany House authors. Hey guys, we're still growing, so please make sure you help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. You can also follow me at RealVixen on Twitter and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you guys. And guys, remember, you can subscribe by going to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Uh, We will talk to you next time. And until then, happy reading.